welcome to this evening episode. It's a special one, let me tell you. It's special. And it's not even a Sunday. That is true. We not only changed up the day, but we also changed up the time. So we're feeling more refreshed than ever. I took a solid two-hour nap today, so I'm feeling great. If this isn't the best episode you've ever heard... And keep listening, please. (laughs) We can't afford to lose any listeners. It only gets better. So, yes, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Top 50 Showdown. This is episode 15 of the Showdown, episode 17 of our podcast. We are having a blast doing this so far, and we hope that you are having a blast listening as well. So, without further ado, please enjoy the podcast. Um, what the fuck is she doing? She normally scratches near the plate. Yeah. But she, she eats all the food, which is like, that just goes to show how like little she knows what she's doing. Because like, you know, they, they, they do it by default, right? Because they're trying to bury their food. Same as when she like takes a massive doo-doo and she'll like move the litter around, but she doesn't know why she's doing Like she's not aiming for it, right? <laughs> she's not aiming for the doo. So I have to go in every once in a while and cover up her doo. So it's a good day when she accidentally covers her own dude. Cause <laughs> if she if she turbos out of there, it's guaranteed to be a stanky. So, so yeah. Either way, special episode. We are about to leave town for a very special event, and Sir Maxwell of Lot's life. Who knows what it is? Yeah, even we don't is the problem. But we just know it's a big deal. So, but watch Maxwell Lewis gaming on YouTube to find out. That's true. It's almost like he's gonna have a. A new addition to his ensemble every day. Every day. Every day, baby. And it's a good one, too. It's a sexy one, so... We like those sexy additions to the ensemble here. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> here in all video games. Um, so, yeah. I guess I will start... Unless you want to talk about the beer that you're tasting. Because I'm interested to hear. I haven't had that Sierra Nevada. What kind is it? So, this is Sierra Nevada. It is the Tropical Torpedo. Is it like There's a no fruity... need to roll either of those eyes, but is it a fruity IPA? <laughs> you guessed it. Well, it's it's listed as a tropical IPA. And yeah, I'd, what do you think? I'd say that's pretty accurate. We got a swift six percent alcohol by volume. Um, it doesn't list any particular flavors other than tropical. Are you good at anything? I mean, I'd assume there'd be like what, like mango or something in there. I think mango has been one of my favorite. There's a Sam Adams Rebel IPA, and they had like a mango variant of it, and that was really delicious. It was very fruity for my taste, but like I, I, I actually really liked, even though it was super fruity. I mean, when I think of tropical, I think of mango and pineapple are like the two prevailing, and I definitely get pineapple. And, and I think probably some mango in there as well. But I don't know how much of that is my brain, like, just framing tropical that way. I mean, who cares, honestly, if, if, you, if you like it. My brain like tells it, me, yeah. and that, therefore it is. <laughs> that is incredibly hoppy, actually. Is that a, that? I would almost think that would be a double IPA. It doesn't look like it, but the, the, the hops on that are, I think, really... Maybe I would almost go to say it's a little overpowering. I like it that hoppy, but I'd say for, like, if I was going to recommend the IPA to an average consumer... That flavor is wild. I think this is delicious. Yeah. This is really good. I'm drinking the, uh, it's Doghead Brewing, the Namaste White. Yeah. Belgian style wit beer. 
Dogfish or doghead? Or sorry, dogfish. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That would, I mean, a good would go well with an orange. They have an orange on it, so. Our Belgian style white ale brewed with delicious dried orange flesh and peel, fresh cut lemongrass, and a bit of coriander, peppercorns, and a generous dose. Ooh, that's what good it is. I think the coriander is the spice I was tasting. It reminds me, I don't know if you ever, as a kid, took oranges and you take cloves and like stick them into the orange no. and it makes like an air fresh okay i've heard of that now that you're saying that but yeah, yeah. I, never, I don't think i ever did that drinking that gives me weird vibes of that yeah i think this is i, I like this a lot but uh this dogfish they had like a show about brewing beer on discovery or something like that i don't i don't know exactly where it was but yeah before i could drink beer i used to watch that show all the time and the, the stuff that they do. It, it made me very excited to drink this beer, but I had a really hard time finding it for a very long time. But we're much closer, I think, to it now. Yeah, where, where, does it say where? Or where do you know where Dogfish is? Well, I know they at least have, like, a location close to us, I thought. Because I thought that, uh... Um, Delaware. Milton, Delaware. Oh, that is close. That's DMV. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, when they... I mean, DMV is Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, so... What? The DMV area? That's it's, the area we're in, is Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. I thought it was D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Like, no. the, Are you kidding me? No, I swear to God, I'm not kidding you. I thought Delaware was no, way, like way north of us. Yeah, no, it's it's directly east of us. Well, I guess T-I-L, T-I-L. I, not, I, I'm unable to fucking Google search, not because of my internet, because of my physical capabilities, so... And I'm sure it's also one of those things that, like, depending on who you ask, like, it could mean dc maryland and virginia um let us know if you're from the area which if you're listening this probably <laughs> um but yeah well what do you think dmv stands for well according to the wash the the wiki the acronym dmv which stands for district of columbia maryland and virginia false i'm reading it from false. the i'm just telling you what the wiki says man. oh no i'm not saying you're false i'm saying the wikipedia is false Wikipedia, not a reliable source. That's not where we get our information from. I mean, you're not wrong, but I'm trusting the wiki over you, dude. Like, like I said, I think it's one of those things that, like, you, you can refer to it in multiple ways, like what you're trying to say specifically. I swear to God I've heard Delaware. 24 things you need to know. This is another site that says DC. That's two sites. I'm slowly collecting data, supporting my <laughs> argument. You, I think you might be confusing DMV and Delmarva. Delmarva refers to Delaware. Oh, that might be. Well, yeah, but same fucking difference. Wait, oh, do, oh, do people say that Delmarva is a DMV? It, I mean, that's that's the same acronym. Well, no, because I think DMV stands for the District of Columbia. Delmarva <laughs> might stand for the Delaware part. Became the go-to shortcut for Greater Washington. So if I go to abbreviations.com, it lists Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia as one of the meanings of DMV. My, I mean, this to me just says that DMV is District of Columbia and Delmarva, and they're just supposed to be two separate acronyms. Yeah, that's what I'm finding, too. I Even even Reddit says that. Well, now I'm going to move. I don't deserve to live here anymore. That's all I've learned. I mean, I didn't know about Delmarva. That's interesting to know. I thought Delaware was not... I'm, I guess I just... I do. We we have to keep these geography lessons going, otherwise <laughs> we're just do. not going to keep up to date with this shit, so... Yeah. Damn. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. So Delmarva is 
the the three states and DMV is DC. I mean, I mean, uh, I suppose that makes sense. My life's been a lie. Well, that's what it was just like. The, the, like including Delaware just doesn't make sense because I just always like use DMV as just the giant fucking DC area. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't think anyone's like, oh, I live in Delaware. I'm in the DMV area. You know, but I guess I don't know anyone from Delaware, so maybe. But I mean, Delmarva's a thing. Yeah. I mean, just. But that just that seems unnecessary. That I mean, that's oh for like, sure, that's it's like a, saying like what like Chicago, Iowa, and like one other random state around there. <laughs> yeah, Chicago, the state of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, what that Iowa, Illinois, and what 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 state? Was so north of was Wisco. I, Iowis, Wisilo, Wisilnois, Wisilwines, Wisilwa, Wisilwa. There we go. Final answer. Um. Either way, yeah, so dumb as shit. In other news, not <laughs> including geography, uh, League of Legends plan started. Very big. Or, well, League of Legends Worlds, which is essentially the one-year annual <laughs> redundant <laughs> competition um, where the great regions and then some smaller regions all get together to see who's the best. Traditionally, for a long time, it was the LCK, which is the Korean teams, and then... Very lately, there's been an upsurge in the LPL, which are the Chinese teams. So I think the last couple of years, LPL managed to take the throne last year, FPX, beating out G2. I'm going to say narrowly, but it was a 3-0, so it wasn't very narrow. Yeah, but it was a narrow 3-0. It was, it was a narrow 3-0. <laughs> Man, that, that one hurt. So so yeah, G2 is from the LEC, which is the uh, Europeans. And then we got LCS, which is North America. Those being the four main regions, and then there's, you know... Brazil, Oceania, other smaller regions that have to generally go in through the playing stages. So that's what started now. So we have our third CNA team in there, Team Liquid, and then the fourth seed, uh, LEC and LPL got four teams in each. And then LCK and NA, LCS, got three teams in. So the, the third team in NA and then the fourth team in LEC the teams I followed the most and the ones in plans are both playing right now. The LEC team, Mad Lions, is playing like absolute doo-doo bear. They look horrible. Oh, actually? Yeah. I they, thought they were favorites at one point. They were looking really good in the regular season. They were essentially playing like what G2 should have been playing like. I don't think they ever looked as good as G2 at their peak. Um, but they, they were playing really well. And then they really looked terrible in playoffs, like uh, LEC playoffs. So I was already a little hesitant, and it's four rookies, I believe, and then one person who's been the world before, so or at wow. least is a veteran player. So I, I think I think it's kind of a combination of choking, and they were a little surprised how bad they got smacked up by G two and Fnatic in the playoffs. Who G two and Fnatic both had pretty mediocre regular seasons, and then essentially just ramped up out of nowhere for playoffs, and they are they are the classic powerhouses in LEC. If you look at spring and summer splits and who's won those over essentially the entirety of the existence of lec there's only been one team i believe who's gotten a spring or summer split other than fanatic and g2 and that was only one time yeah they've been dominant for like 10 years now which is insane but either way rna boys team liquid looking great right now i'm surprised but i'm very happy they're playing their next two games on monday which will be before before this podcast is released so i will i guess let you know the next podcast what happens since i don't think anyone keeps track other than me at least that's listening to this podcast so yeah that's all i got oh and i heard some crap about the 
AIVs, the power delivery that they're using, yeah, and trying to cheap out on those little capacitorinos, at least that's what Jay's Two Cents talked about, I, I didn't look at it really much other than that video, but they were, instead of using the more expensive, smaller cap array, they were using the higher one, more electromagnetic interference, whatever the hell is causing it, but essentially, they crash in. But it sounds like they're only crashing if they're overclocking, so I kind of agree with, Jay's was like, you're only given the speed on the card, right? 1740. So as long as it's delivering 1740, like that's what you bought, right? You don't, you don't get like saying that you like should be able to overclock. I don't know. It's like saying that you have like the right to have children or something like that. Like, yeah, you can have children, but you like better have the money and time and be prepared for it. Like, I don't know. Like it's not a geek. It's not a given just because you exist. That was probably an extreme comparison. <laughs> well, so, so with that, the, I think the problem, it, regardless of if you think you're entitled to a certain like core clock or, or boost, um, the fact that the card is crashing is unacceptable. Like the the manufacturer should have known what the actual limit was for frequency, and set the internal limit so that it couldn't boost above that. Well, that's what I couldn't tell because he was saying that 1740 megahertz. He was almost making it sound like 1740 megahertz wasn't even stable. So if they if they sell the graphics card at 1740. And it can hit 1740, even on the AIBs. I think that is, there's no reason to complain if you cannot overclock it from there. Oh, absolutely. But, but if but, it can't hit the thing that they said they were going to give you, right? When you buy the 3080, you're expecting the 1740. If you can't hit that, then that is a, that is a robbery. No, but but more, so first, more information on this is it seems that most of the crashing occurs a lot closer to 2000 megahertz. Um then so that you're you're getting a lot of headroom, but the problem is is that the the limits that were set by the the board manufacturer as to what it can hit were too high for whatever. So power delivery is potentially a problem. It upon further investigation, it sounds like only that only applies to a couple of boards, and that a lot a bunch of electrical engineers have chimed in and talked about how the differences in the type. There's like two or three different types of capacitor. Um, arrays or just capacitors that you can use there and they all have different advantages there's not one that's inherently better in all cases than the other um, but it, it does seem so EVGA came out and said explicitly our um, boards were delayed because we boiled it down and determined that yes the the fact that we weren't using any or only used one of the MLCC capacitor arrays um, was the issue for our crashes. So we we ended up changing it and did two, like the NVIDIA Founders Edition. But but some of the boards, the, 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 going back to like just what you're entitled to, the, it sounds like it's a lot higher core clocks, like in the 1900 up to 2000. And the, the, there's for sure no guarantee, but what shouldn't be happening is with you like your GPU should not crash. Like it, it, if it's set to boost uh, up to a certain frequency and it crashes when it hits that frequency, I think that's a problem. Yeah. Like I, I don't care what, what the frequency is, but I mean, for sure you need to get like what the, the manufacturer is saying. So if it's the 1710, 1740, whatever it is, if you can't hit that, that's for sure a problem. Yeah. But if you're going above that and it's still crashing, that means the manufacturer should have set the additional boost level lower than that because they come with a, a limit that it will not boost. Essentially, it's like free headroom as long as you have the temperature and like the voltage um, to, to get it up to that frequency. Yeah. 
it'll keep going until it hits whatever limit is built into the board and it sounds like they just there's too high. I, I don't think your, your GPU should crash. I mean, I agree with that, but I'm just saying, yeah, it, it, he was making it sound like, like I said, I barely did any research on it, but he was making it sound like they essentially said that they're giving you the 1740. So if it's boosting above that, and on the box it says 1740 megahertz, then I don't care if it crashes. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that for yeah. sure. Yeah, it, if it's if it's crashing at, at or below, that's, if that's it's, poo-poo. If it, but if it's above that, then, well, that's... Yeah, you pay for 1740 megahertz with however many gigs of VRAM, yada, yada, yada. So if that part is working and they're delivering what they said on the specifications then yeah but it does kind of sound like it might be even crashing when it's hitting 1740 which that to me is then unacceptable if you can't give the number on the box so he's thinking that they're going to essentially just release a like a firmware update whatever you want to call it and then just patch it down and lower the clock speed which is yeah yet again another doo-doo thing to do he's he's posted some some twitter updates since then and there's been more research that it sounds like it's not crashing at like the 1700 realm so i i think board manufacturers are good um with that regard but what i think hopefully when board manufacturers are making like their super expensive like beefy cooling that they're paying attention to the power delivery because if if you are paying for an extraordinarily beefy heat sink cooling solution um and that should allow it to boost to super high clocks, but the power delivery is not allowing it to hit that frequency. So you're essentially getting the same performance as a Founders Edition, but paying an additional $150. That's, I mean, sure, it, it is like what it, you're getting the 1740 or whatever it said, but if you're paying additional money to get that additional overclocking overhead and you can't, I think I have a problem with that as well. I mean, sure. Yeah, I, that that seems reasonable, but also if that's happening, then I don't. I assume that people just wouldn't buy the fucking card either. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's got to be some people that suffer, which is dumb. Yeah. But like, the good news is it's mostly scalpers. So yeah, the bots are suffering right now. So the the bots have done us all a favor and prevented us from buying. So we can, regardless of what's actually happening, the dust should hopefully settle, and we'll have a firm answer on what cards to buy. Um, which ones are the best? Are are there actual like hardware issues? Will firmware be updated? So the thirty sixty is the best. <laughs> thirty sixty is gonna be dope. Yeah, that's gonna be crazy. I'm pretty pumped for that. So, but yeah, thirty eighty launch is a shit show. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. It still seems better than the twenty series launch. So I guess props to them for making it better. Hey. Uh, it's like a it's now a piece of poo that's not on fire it's just like it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like a warm piece of poo that's like on the precipice but it's not it's not ignited yet it makes me sad because i i like to be an early adopter but like this is just this is nothing new like this is when new technology releases the bugs and issues are going to be found i mean like, yeah they're gonna try to push it to whatever limit that they can so i don't i just view this as like a reality of essentially the you know development curve yeah. obviously there's some reason that this keeps happening whether or not it's negligence on the manufacturer's part or it's just we're pushing it and we haven't tested it in a you know that large of a scenario now that we're testing it at this scale with this many different rigs yada 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 like so many variables when you introduce it to the market that yeah it's it's a crazy thing but i i don't view it as a I really don't view it as a bad thing. I just view it as kind of a innate part of the process. It is frustrating, but I wouldn't say it's inherently bad. It's just kind of shit that happens, you know. Like it's I agree with that. Out of our control, 
And the good news is we're just going to wait until we know that we feel confident enough that it's good. Thanks to the scalpers again. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> so, yeah, keep, keep scamming us or, I guess, scamming other people. I didn't try to get the 3080, so I wasn't too butthurt about it. But it was interesting to hear about, so. I did try to get it, but <laughs> I also was not butthurt because it disappeared so quickly. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I already had the PS5. Um, pre-order so the fact that i got one of the impossible launches yeah, 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 yeah. i was like i'm already a winner man you should tell that story again so clear for like <laughs> next time so she can continue to not listen to this podcast and that is true <laughs> oh also in gaming news ooh, ooh, <laughs> uh among us is a game and the developers announced that they canceled the sequel that was already planned and I think partially in development um, because they were not expecting the this release Among Us to be so popular and do so well. And because it has such a big player base, they are just going to take the ideas that they had for the sequel and just release them as updates for yeah. the original game to keep supporting it. So I mean, that's good. They definitely have been... Probably doing some hard work on upgrading their uh, servers' capacities because there's definitely been... I've been playing it a little bit and there's definitely been some issues with getting in lobbies and stuff like that, so... It's, uh... What, what did you say the game's like? Mafia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so essentially you're... Uh, the, the, the default mapper, if you're watching people play videos, you're on a ship and there's ten people... I'm going to just do normal conditions here. You can modify all these variables if you want, but there's 10 people and two of them are imposters and then the rest are crewmates. So the crewmates are trying to get finished tasks and once all the crewmates finish their tasks, they win and the imposters are trying to kill off all of the crewmates um, before they finish their tasks. So once there's an equal amount of imposters to crewmates, the imposters then win. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Like every time someone dies... Someone will find the body, report it, and then it automatically goes into a chat room where people are trying to figure out who did it. Then it goes into voting, and then you vote someone off. Some game modes you know if you kicked off an imposter or not, and then other games it just says the person got kicked off the ship. So there's there's a lot of like modifications you can do on like how fast the character runs, your kill like cooldown timers if you're the killer and stuff like that, as well as how many tasks you have to do. So it's it's a it's a, it's a very fun game. It's definitely preferred to play with friends. I think the more people you're playing with, the better. It does get a little hard. Like, I play with... One of the people I play with absolutely hates... Hates being the imposter. And they cannot handle when they're the... It's so... Like, their change verbally in Discord is so obvious when they're the imposter. It's, like, <laughs> not even a challenge knowing it. I didn't notice it the first couple times, but then her boyfriend pointed it out. And he's just like, dude, you're so bad at keeping a secret in this game. <laughs> so, like, every time that she gets crewmate, you just hear this, like, re- wave of relief wash over her in her voice. She's like, oh, thank God I got a fucking crewmate. Like, Jesus, I'm so happy. So The good news is, is that that lends her a lot of credibility when she's not the imposter. It does, but then I realized I, I got... I got baited by it one time because then she just started saying i'm a crewmate at the beginning of every single time and then she was following me around and we we're doing tasks as normal and yeah then she killed me so i've learned to not trust her i always get crewmate almost always i rarely ever get imposter and i'm almost always playing with someone who is an imposter and they love headhunting me immediately so i die so much in that game and it's always from people targeting me i was actually i was streaming on twitch and one of the people i followed 
joined in our lobby without knowing like we didn't know it and oh, so then yeah. we're in the voting period and they're like what's up megan and ollie and i'm like Ooh! And i'm freaking out so i'm like thinking this person's like leet hacks or like already in our like computers and stuff like figuring <laughs> shit out and then i forgot that there was another person sh- uh, like watching the stream so i was like that's the only thing it could be and then he he or she i guess i don't i don't know their gender but they they followed me and nonstop every single time they got imposter and they just kept following me and killing me as soon as they possibly could. It was actually it was really annoying. I uh, yeah, if I stream Among Us, I'm either gonna try to put on a two minute delay, or I'm just gonna kick them out of my Discord because that or my my Twitch because that was that it felt super targety. It was actually really frustrating. If that was so, you, yeah, Rasta Rasta Impasta, you're you're a bully. I, they only followed me. They, we were, were like playing League of Legends, and they were a super toxic Yasuo player. And I don't know if they were on our team or the other team, but one of my friends just kept putting on my Twitch TV, so then they ended up following just like get in and BM and stuff like that. And I was like, whatever, I'll take the BM. I got the follow, so like we're good. You know, we take those numbers. <laughs> so I was a little spread here, but I, I was already kind of assuming he was going to be a little bit of a Chad Chaddingston, if you will. So I wasn't too surprised when he was being a, a jerky face, but... Yeah, either way, Among Us is super fun. That's good to hear that they're still working on it. Definitely, I don't think they expected the amount of popularity it got. But I'm going to call it the Zoom effect. Um, because Zoom, the now super popular video chatting software, was at a much, 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 much lower audience like customer base um, before the pandemic. And then pandemic happened, and all of a sudden, everyone's video chatting. And oh, Zoom has these nice high-quality video and all these features, like changing your background and stuff. So it went from like uh, a few million users to like well over a hundred million users, like almost overnight. And so there was a lot of security issues, and they their servers couldn't handle like they they had to grow exponentially, like order of magnitude, like overnight to try and like patch all these security issues and add features and yeah build up. And so it's it seems kind of similar with Among Us, where it's like oh my god, like I didn't think people would like this game. I mean, yeah, like, server hardware is so expensive. You're not going to want to, like, overkill it, right? You probably want, what, maybe, if you're trying to be safe, maybe 20 to 25% headroom based off of whatever you're estimating. So, yeah, I've, I'm assuming it blew up probably more like double of what they were estimating. But either way... Very Just like the console and GPU pre-orders. <laughs> I, did, I mean, that is true. I'm a little more surprised, because I'm sure they factored that in, right? Like, the COVID pandemic has definitely only made, I think, more people in the sphere you know it's definitely there's nothing to do but be a nerd in a pandemic let me tell you that nerds are thriving that's true baby so yeah either way fun game if you want to play it it's a good time but don't play it on stream and kill oliver or we will find you or i'll just put a delay i just got to figure out how to do that so but yeah if you want to play hit me up i think i know everyone that listens to this podcast and if i don't don't really care so leave a comment subscribe canadian geography (laughs) Delmarva. All right. Well, I got nothing else for our now incredibly long intro, so I'll keep I'll keep my review short. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about video games. How many? Four. I was trying to get you to say no. both. Yeah, I realized. <laughs> but that's not a quantity. <laughs> I guess it kind of is a quantity. It's more than whatever you're referencing. We just weren't referencing anything, so no, I think. So now that you've said four, yeah. we're talking mo, which is true because we talked about Among Us, which is now more than four. True. There we go. We're good. We're clean. 
check check those boxes. <laughs> so today uh, I am reviewing Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Tommy and Skate Three. Skate. Uh, so Rainbow Six Siege, online tactical is a shooter. <laughs> Developed by I spelled I spelled it Ubisoft instead of <laughs> Ubisoft Montreal. Uh, it is not Ubisoft, but that is okay. Where's Montreal? In Canada, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I play it on the PC, though it is uh, available on the PS4 as well as the X Bone. Released on December first, twenty fifteen, and before I forget, Metacritic as always seventy nine out of a hundred. So. There's no story to this game, so I'm done explaining that part now. Thankfully, <laughs> that was quick and easy. The game is, as I said, it's an online tactical shooter. Essentially, the the game modes that people play are either... Normally, people play bomb defusal, so it's much like a... There's a Call of Duty mode, like Sabotage or something like that, yeah. where, you know, normally most people play on hardcore. There's only one life, and you're going up trying to defuse the bomb. So the game modes like that, Hostage is you can expect you're running and trying to get the hostage out of there all generally based around there's like a you know a terrorist force and then a force trying to stop the terrorists but so you switch off it's just series of rounds and then after a certain amount of rounds depending on how someone set up the game what game mode you're playing they win if they have more generally by two (laughs) so there's the attackers and the defenders so how the game starts when you're the attacker is there's a 30 second period where you have these little drones and you use the drones drive around the map try to figure out where the bomb is try to figure out where the people are you can identify the people there's only a certain amount of specific operators that i won't really get into that's just something like as you play but essentially each operator has his own unique ultimate if you will or unique ability that makes them beneficial so like when you're on the defender side there's rook who lays down armor and then everyone essentially can take like another bullet to the chest or something like that which is very nice you only generally can take i mean maybe like five bullets to the chest if even and normally it's one tap headshot for kill i call it recall so it is definitely it is definitely like a hardcore call of duty or at least like a hardcore game mode of call of duty so yeah you use that period to scout out and then the environment is hyper destructible for the most part so you can like shoot out windows shoot out walls blow up walls try to breach things going through ceiling lights so it is there's voice columns in the game which most people that are playing the game use and it is a very team oriented game even though you're playing with randos you i mean you got to figure out like oh i'm gonna breach now try to make a distraction get them all to turn around you'll come in for the flank try to get the kills stuff like that so it is definitely it, it is a very team focused, and you have to be able to work together and know the strengths of other operators in order to make your kid effective like there's certain operators on certain maps that like you just have to play and that's just something you learn over time they update the maps here and there it's generally not too frequently and there's a pretty pretty popular i'd say pro play scene in it as well which i enjoy a lot and i think keeps the game in a healthy state like the more more pro play and more pro, the attention the pro play scene can get i think the better off the game especially right now like i think esports are definitely booming so at least in my in my world, it's definitely boom. <laughs> so yeah, and in that thirty second period, if you're the defender, you can, you know, put coverings on walls so they can't be blown up as easily, or you know, scout out and try to put. There's certain champs that can put cameras all over. Yada yada yada. Bunch of different operators, bunch of different skills, but that's generally the gist of the game. Most people don't really care about the objective because there's no respawns. So once you kill the entire other enemy team, you automatically win. So that's normally how most matches go. 
But there are times where it's like you're having a really hard time killing the other enemy team and for some reason they're not on objective and you're like, I got the diffuser. We're going to defuse the bomb now and hope that they don't come. So, yeah, it's it's a very exciting game. I think they have actually a pretty good pricing model too. It's like 15 to $20 and you get, I think, 8 to 16 base operators somewhere in that range. There's maybe like 40 in the game-ish. I didn't look up the numbers. That's just off of my memory from last playing. And essentially there's increments above that so the more money you pay you can just get more operators until like I think 60 70 and I'm pretty sure you get all of them and like season pass for that season so I kind of like that pricing model it's not very expensive to get into if you want and even the base operators I don't feel like because it's such a shooter and the shooting is so quick it's kind of hard to be like these guns are drastically OP I mean there's definitely preferred like depending on how you shoot and what recoil patterns you prefer there's definitely guns that fit better for different people's play styles but that's, that's why I prefer Call of Duty Hardcore. It's yeah. because it's not like, oh, someone found the one gun that will, yeah, will kill you faster than every other gun in the game. It's like, no, bullets kill you like they do in reality. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a very fun game. The no respawn definitely makes it really tense. Much more methodical, much slower pace. Or maybe not slower pace. When, when you are sieging and like actually trying to fight it is just as fast paced as any other shooter but there's a lot more build up and i normally like that because it makes the risk reward just becomes a lot bigger and it feels a lot better when you kill someone in call of duty it's like oh cool i killed someone like when you kill someone in rainbow six you killed a fifth of their squad and you're like oh my gosh like and this they're is, gone. yeah they were gone forever so it feels really good uh there's also a really cool mechanic in the game which is the tilt i wish more games included this but essentially you can be standing at a wall and if your right shoulder let's say is flush with the doorway you can tilt to the right if you want to or left depending on what side of the door you are i didn't specify um but yeah you can tilt <laughs> so that you can see inside and so that's also a super important mechanic obviously since you die so fast you don't want to show essentially any of your body if you can so i really enjoyed that mechanic i thought that was really good the end game comms are great and then they also did a really good job with sound design in the game. So like wearing a nice pair of headphones so you can actually hear footsteps above you, footsteps below you, footsteps coming down the corridor and stuff like that. That's all. Any information you can get, and there's a lot of good auditory information that you can get, will help you figure out where they are, what they're trying to do. You know, are they reinforcing the wall? That would be a giveaway, and you know where they are. Stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a very fun game. Uh, little surprise, I got a 79 out of 100. I think I think mid-80s would probably be a little closer to what I get. I don't think it's a groundbreaking game by any sense. And it's definitely... I mean, it's it's a it's a shooter, and it's got one game mode. It's kind of like League of Legends. You know, it's just like, like League of Legends got the one game mode, and that's kind of the end. Like, there are other game modes, but most of the time people don't play them. I guess in League, more people play the other game modes, but also has, I think, a significantly larger player base. Would be my guess. Um, so... Yeah, the criticisms for the game were lack of content, as I kind of mentioned, which makes sense, but the main game mode is fun enough that people still play for, you know, people have been playing since the game came out and are still playing it. So that's kind of just like, if you don't enjoy the main game... When, when was the game released? 2015. Oh, wow, yeah. So it's like, if you don't enjoy the game, you don't enjoy the game, but that's like, I don't know, it's, it's designed, they spend all their time, I think, developing a really polished shooter. So it's like, if you don't like that, then that's like, that's not on them, you know? Like, I would rather have one game mode be really good like it is than try to introduce a bunch of BS game modes. And they also, there were some criticisms on the microtransactions, but from my recollection, all the purchases in-game, 
I mean, you can purchase different ops. Like I said, I don't think many ops are like super OP. There's some easier than others, but none that are absolutely broken. And most of the most of the stuff that you purchase is just cosmetic anyway. So I think that's a little bit of a weak argument. And then lack of game mode variety, kind of going back to lack of content. So that that to me is a little more understandable. I think the microtransactions a little dumb dumb. And then it was praised for their destructive environment, tactical nature, map design, and teamwork. The uh, just some interesting facts that I was reading about. Uh, there's it was a 150 person team, and they actually spent a lot of time. A lot of most of the people on their team already were working in the first person shooter world, but they spent a lot of time setting historic examples of counter terrorist operations because they wanted to keep operations accurate and appropriate for what they were trying to represent. So they actually, in addition to their research, consulted multiple counterterrorism units for opinions on how they would react during hostage situations. So I thought that was cool. I mean, I know a lot of games are trying to become a lot more, I guess immersive is probably the best word, but it is still nice to hear that, you know, when people do that, because sometimes I think a lot of that can go to the wayside and kind of be forgotten when you're playing the game. Like, yeah. it's not like I boot up the game and they're like, do you know how much research we did to make this? So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought that, that would should be, be the cool. opening credits is <laughs> we a research hard. paper. So yeah, they focused a lot in developing the game on teamwork, tactics, intention. Could not figure out from what I said, and then they also focused on the golden three C rule, which I never heard of, which is character control on camera. So like when you're essentially, they wanted to make it so there's no animation that's going to hinder your gameplay. So when you're defusing a bomb or when you're planting C4, you can always immediately back out of that animation and pull your gun up. And I mean, it's not like it's not like you like instantaneous, right? They still do have animations because it's not they're not trying to be unrealistic, but they do give you, I think, a lot of flexibility and freedom while playing the game that you do. I, I didn't really appreciate it until reading it, but yeah, I always felt like I had full control over what I'm doing, and I felt like it was a very realistic representation of at least what I would expect. I mean, I. I I've never been to war, I've never been shooting at people, but at least from what you'd imagine in your head, you know, like if I was thinking about playing paintball or something, that'd be my closest, I guess, representation. So, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty accurate and, like, felt felt very natural and fluid, so. That's Rainbow Six. Skate 3. Next game. Developed by EA Black Box. Ooh! Played it on the Xbox 360. It is a skateboarding game, if you couldn't tell from the title, which I'd be concerned, but that's okay. Could be like a roller skates. That is true. Um, it's also, the genre, according to Wikipedia, is extreme sports, and I just love that oh. name. So, got an 80 out of 100, and essentially, it just, it's just, it's another skate game. So the main thing about skate games, why I like skate games more than a Tony Hawk game, is you use your right analog stick to do tricks. So you have to like, to do an ollie, you hold down on the right analog stick and then you flick it up. And the faster you flick it up, the higher your ollie is. And then essentially you just have to learn combinations like hold down, flick to the right is like a kick flip, hold down, flick to the left is a heel flip. And then you can like swing your controller stick along the bottom to do either a pop shove or a 360 pop shove. And then it, it just goes into combinations between the kick flips and the pop shoves which is pretty much every single skateboarding trick, is a combination of spinning your board, right, like laterally and horizontally or whatever the two words are that I'm looking for. But you know what I'm saying. Spinning the board around itself and spinning the board around itself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that I thought was an incredibly cool mechanic. I got to give a lot of props to Skate 1 for introducing it. And I felt that Skate 1 was a pretty polished game. The reason I'm picking Skate 3 here is because it is, without a doubt, the most polished, non-surprisingly, would be very disappointed if it was a downstep from Skate 2, 
So if you're going to play a skate game at this point, I mean, there's just, in my opinion, there's no reason to run back to skate one. You're not playing it for the story. You're playing it for the gameplay, exploring the map, learning how to do the tricks and trying to string cool tricks and do the little challenges. So it's, I think, a really fun game. And it's a really good game to just like sit on a couch with a friend and then you're like, oh, I'm going to try to do, I don't know, like a inward heal to a 50-50, yada, yada. You just make up some crazy string of tricks on something and then you keep trying to do it, pass it back and forth. So I... I think, yeah, gameplay is what is the driving factor in it. Apparently, I'm a gameplay gamer, so at least that's the word according to our podcast. <laughs> Which is definitive. That is true. So, yeah, I, I thought, I think it's really fun. I played it because of my brother. My brother used to skateboard. Still does, actually, I believe. I guess, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while, so maybe he stopped skateboarding. But at least, well... You boarding, bro? He, be, before COVID, he was still skateboarding, I believe, pretty regularly. Uh, so criticisms for Skate Three were great follow up to Skate Two, but it might be too similar. And then there <laughs> I were... thought it was just going to be criticism. It's a great follow up. Uh, and then difficult mechanics, which I agree with, but I think the learning curve is worth it. It's I've never seen a game use an analog stick in that way, and so that part was just really enjoyable and exciting to me. Wait, so... you're saying in Rainbow Six you can't do skateboard tricks with the right analog? <laughs> that is stick. correct. Sadly. Damn. Okay. Uh, it's also, it was very popular in Let's Play channels because of their ragdoll physics and glitches in the game, which, yeah, they're essentially when you crash, it you crash hard enough. You, if you have a juicy crash, it then opens up this hall of meat. So you get points based on how gruesome and gnarly your crash is. Oh. So then there's like an entire subset of games of finding the most ridiculous ways to crash and how to break as many bones or like report what bones you broke and like, you know, like what injuries you got. So it's it is a really additional fun mini game alongside of the regular gameplay experience of skating, which again really enjoyed. Just polished up in Skate Three, pick and Skate Three for the reasons I mentioned before. Polished up version, probably will be the best one worth playing. So released in May 11, twenty ten. Five years older, five and a half years older than Rainbow Six Siege. EA Black Box. Um was responsible for like the need for speed like underground and most wanted and stuff like that which are phenomenal games that's cool i really enjoyed the skate series i thought that it was i thought it was a strong addition and i definitely yeah it's there's definitely a big what i've seen there's a big online following and they're really asking for lots of ports to modern consoles or figuring it away to uh emulate it port it whatever onto the pc so yeah, it's definitely the people that like skate. I think like it a lot. Definitely got kind of a yeah a cult following, if you will. So, yeah, solid game. I'm gonna pick Rainbow Six Siege for this one. I know spicy, spicy pick, but uh, I haven't played Skate Three in a long time. It was fun. It was fun to play, but I think this Rainbow Six is Rainbow Six was just it's such a polished shooter. It, to me, it's I stopped playing shooters for a really long time. Because it's just Call of Duty just got really monotonous is probably the best word to say it. And though they've done some stuff, like I, I do like some Battle Royales. There's, they've been doing a lot of good things to try to spice it up. But that was just such a different, such a change in tempo, I feel like. And such a change in like mechanical control and what you're actually going to be able to do. Interacting with a destructible map, choosing your operators. It just felt a lot more... Like, you had a lot more control of what was going on and a lot more impact based on pre-decisions other than just, like, I flick my MP7 and shoot. So, 
uh, it, it to me it was definitely a, a kind of a I guess a landmark shooter for me. Only played it and starting in the last couple of years, uh, but yeah, it's definitely got got me back in the shooters a little bit, which I enjoyed a lot. So um, yeah, Donka. <laughs> Maxwell, right. what games you got? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> I have Bioshock Infinite. That's right. We're doing back to back Bioshocks. Insane. I am shocked. Please report. And biologically <laughs> and shockingly, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm excited to hear what you got to say about that one. Also, sorry for the creep. I got. I got to get comfy. But I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that. Oh, don't be. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's start with Bioshock Infinite to keep you, Oliver. At the edge wait. of my seat. If, if we're not engaged, how are you, the audience, going to be engaged? Exactly. That's true. It's Bioshock Infinite. It is a first-person shooter. Ooh. We never reviewed those before. <laughs> That's true. Um, definitely not in the Bioshock series as well. Um, it was developed in Unreal Engine 3 by Irrational Games and published by 2K. Released in March. Here, here's my list of facts. <laughs> Released in March of 2013. So, Bioshock Infinite, because it doesn't have a number, let me tell you, it's number three in the series. <laughs> It, Obviously. It follows Bioshock 2, and everyone knows 1, 2, Infinity. That's how you count. I mean, by the time you're thinking about saying 3, like, you're already just trying to count to the next number. Why not just skip to the gold? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's so good. So, so the game... So the first two games, as we kind of discussed before, take place in Rapture, which is an underground dystopian reality... Um, I shouldn't say reality. Yeah, I'd be a little concerned. Yeah. If you're saying it's reality. Dystopia, period. Um, so Bioshock Infinite decided to ratchet up the stakes and take, take it to, it the, to sky. the sky. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a dystopian sky city. So it takes place back in 1912. You are playing as Booker DeWitt. And you start off the game essentially on a mission to go to the airborne city of Columbia to rescue a young woman named Elizabeth. So the, the creation of Columbia, the city in the sky, so the, the creator is Zachary Comstock. Um, and he had a bunch of government ties back in the late 1800s, and he used that to get the government to fund the building of the city of Columbia. And essentially the city of Columbia was supposed to be like a World's Fair like, oh man, look at how, like, they call it American exceptionalism, um, is what I read. But essentially, like, wow, America's the best. Look at us. Look at all we can achieve. Um, and the idea was, it, so it flies in, in the sky, and they, they would take it around the world and kind of show it to everyone. Everyone could come up and, and enjoy the, the beauty and, and the wonderment. And so in the early 1900s, Columbia decided to take care of this rebellion in the u.s by force um shockingly yeah so they never they, heard of that they, they, they thought that the best way to deal with it would be to just kill people um and that's when the u.s found out that the city of columbia actually had a bunch of extremely powerful flying gunships <laughs> that's so ridiculous <laughs> like how do you not notice 
and you have this giant mass just floating through the world. And then just now, one person on the ground realized that they're... Oh. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> they're armed! I mean, someone had to send the guns up there. I mean, I guess maybe the rest of the world was, like, plotting with them or something. But I like, mean, they, maybe they were just sending up raw materials, and then they, yeah, they were the like, contractors building them into gunships. But They keep asking us to send all the stuff for guns and ammunition, and we can't figure out why. Yeah. Um... But so eventually the U.S. is like, okay, you guys are out of control. You got all this power. You got to come back to the U.S. And they're like, well, you see, who's going to make us? (laughs) We got guns. So they secede from the U.S. um, and kind of fly off into the sky. And then no one one knows where they are anymore. They've kind of become their own thing. And through this, um, Comstock, the, the creator and leader, has kind of turned it into this theocratic police state. So it's this weird, like supposed to be a utopia there's a lot of like christian and religious themes um in there but it's it's a police state it's very much controlled and the thing you have to know about this game is there are are a lot of racial i would say undertones but it is in your face yeah it might be overtones (laughs) yeah it is it is it is all about um white supremacy um nationalism all very this was back in 2013 and these are all things that have been coming to the top now in 2020 um and and really i mean it's been it's been a problem forever but we're really discussing it now so it's interesting to discuss this game um and how overt they were about the the racial um undertone so kind of throughout the game you're, you're trying to rescue elizabeth and you do that fairly early on in the game and she becomes your companion um and so she can do things she can get you ammo she can get you money um as you're kind of running around so as you're getting depleted of resources she can kind of throw you a bone and help you out um as as she see fits but there are these things called tears and the tears are essentially literal tears in the space-time continuum so they're they're little rips in the world that allow you to connect to other universes on other realities and elizabeth somehow has the ability to manipulate them and that becomes an important part in the story. Um, <laughs> shocking. If you said yeah. otherwise, I'd be, I'd be more shocked. <laughs> that is actually not an important detail. Um, let me just tell you, I'm not going to spoil the story for you. I played through 95% of this game, but the twists and turns happen apparently in the last 5%. I thought I... Because there's, there's twists and turns throughout the entire game. But I... Pretty usual this, for Bioshock too. Yeah. That's, reading the story synopsis... These, I thought Bioshock 1 was bangerlicious. Holy crap, this game will make you, make your jaw hit the floor with the, the things they unveil throughout the game. And that is all I've heard. I've had multiple friends play the game and they are shooketh by the story by the end. Like they just do not expect, essentially just I guess like the power of the turns. I, I, I have not read the story as I am still looking to play it. I played through essentially just the straight beginning of it. I'm through like what would be like the intro or the tutorial effective part, which still took, I think like a couple hours. It's, I think it's a pretty long game overall to get through, Yeah. but yeah, they, that is, that is the one thing that is reliably applauded for this when I hear other people talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's not so, so story-wise it is absolutely worth your time. Um, from a gameplay perspective, they kept a lot of things from the original two Bioshocks. So they call them Vigors in this game, um, but they're essentially like the Tonics and um, Adam and the different powers you would get in the first two Bioshocks. So you get different powers and abilities 
um, discovered throughout the game. And there's also things called gear that are essentially wearables that give you different passives um, that, that, that help you throughout the game. But probably the most interesting thing is this, like, claw ratchet thing you have. They, they have these sky rails. Um, so, so the City of Rapture was very enclosed, a lot of tubes, like, small environments. But the City of Columbia is this huge open environment. And they have this, like, rail system that you can hook onto with this, like, hook like a captain hook hook on your hand and fly around and, and it allows for much more open interesting ways to um, attack combat situations and feels more open more variety to the combat um, and it also acts as a close-up melee weapon as well that is extremely satisfying to use let me tell you let me tell you um, as far as reception goes it got anywhere from a 93 to a 94 on Metacritic. Damn. And with a lot of people praising it as the best game of the generation. Um, which I, I believe when they're saying of the generation, they're still referring to the Xbox 360. 360 yeah. Even though 2013 was the year that the PS4 and Xbox One would be released. I mean, it'd be a um, little, little little goony to be like on the year that it's released. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the best game that we will ever have on, on this generation. Um, but yeah, ab- absolutely bangerlicious. The the visuals are phenomenal. The gameplay, the story, like from start to finish, there's really not much to criticize. There's nothing that I got from my playthrough that I would criticize. Stylistically, artistically, the the pacing of the game, the variety and options, especially for 2013, but even today, it holds up incredibly well, especially with the remastered collection that they added. Um, yeah. Bioshock Infinite. Great. What made you play it? It Kind of like what we discussed last week um, with the, the Bioshock games. Um, one and two, that is. Um, I, I picked up the, the remastered collection. Oh, that's right. And yeah. was like, I, I heard good things about these games, so let me check them out. And uh, boy, was Delivered. I not disappointed. <laughs> Um, which I guess brings me back. Did you did you answer that question? Why did you play Skate Three and Rainbow Six? I told you my brother. Well, your brother, and then but why why Rainbow Six? Mitch. Okay. Yeah, most most of the time. In case you don't play video games, if you're gonna play an online multiplayer game, it is rare that you are the first person that just picked up the online multiplayer game. It is normally <laughs> someone else plays it in your friend group, and that is what brings you in. I guess maybe exception would be like, I started playing Overwatch with friends, but it was a mutual, we had all heard about Overwatch and how popular it was, and then it's like, well, we should check it out. It looks fun to play, so let's try it out. So that would probably be, so far, my only exception, but pretty much every other online multiplayer game, it is because you have friends to play with, because it is an multiplayer game so obviously you want to play with people and not just play by yourself because it makes the experience a lot better so like hots play because of patrick lead because of mitch rainbow six because of mitch so yeah that's definitely definitely part for the course for those multiplayers that's fair i played league because of me i want to be very clear though that is true i don't have any friends that care about that game it's all me baby team liquid <laughs> so game number two Yet another banger. This is this is my banger delicious week, man. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So this is the most recent in the Super Smash Bros. series. <laughs> it is a fighting game. 
developed by Bandai Namco Studios and published by none other than Nintendo. So it was released back in December of 2018. Um, and... The ultimate name is 100% warranted. It has every character in the game that has ever been in a Smash game. It has every level in it that has ever been in a Smash game. And they added characters and levels. They built the entire game, the engine and everything from the ground up and remastered like the, the visuals. Everything is new. They tweaked characters. They added characters that have been asked for forever like Ridley. Um, I don't even I can't even think of what game that he's from. But if if you're not familiar with the Super Smash Bros. series, what are you talking about? Metroid. Metroid. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's it, Super Smash Bros. is is a is a fighting game. Um, where there's typically anywhere from, I mean, you can literally have two people playing, but most traditionally there's four people on screen, and in ultimate up to eight people um, on the screen at a time, and. They, there's characters from Nintendo franchises, um, but there's also from other third parties like Metroid, um, Metal Gear Solid, uh, blah, blah, blah. Metroid Nintendo? No, no, no. I'm saying it's from... Uh, th- there's Nintendo games characters, but then there's also like external third parties. Yeah, like... but Metroid Nintendo. Oh, is Metroid Nintendo? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I thought it was like Sega or some shit. I guess no, Metro's sure. Nintendo. Okay. When I was talking about uh, Fusion, it was by uh, Nintendo R&D1. They made oh, yeah, that makes series. sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Metal but Gear Solid, though. But, but there, yeah, there are, like, yeah, Metal Gear Solid is not a Nintendo series, in that, and they put Solid Snake in this one. Yeah. But, that, yeah, the, but the point still stands. They did take characters from other series. But, yeah, so, and, so this one in particular has over 80 characters. There's a new what they call fighter packs being released constantly but there is a plethora of characters that have a bunch of different move sets um advantages disadvantages all the different worlds essentially it's not a traditional fighting game like i don't even know if you call it traditional but like street fighter or mortal Kombat, where Second. you essentially have yeah. like an, an hp which you can there are game modes where you have hp but traditionally there is essentially a percentage um, and the, the percentage is more or less like the probability that you're going to get knocked off the stage when someone hits you. Yeah. Um, and so the, the more damage you take, the higher your percentage gets, the more likely you are to be thrown off of the stage, um, when someone hits you. And when you get thrown off the stage, you lose a life, um, on and on. But yeah, it's it, like normal, normal arcade fighter games. You're going to be doing like essentially analog stick combinations and then you cue those up and then hit a or b which are generally like a punch or a kick and then that'll activate a move set where with this one you're either you have your normal attacks or your powered attacks with your a and b and then you just have four directions it's 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 much less you memorizing this person's kit in terms of there's an entire list of moves that are all unique and essentially you could pick up any character and just know i have side normal up normal down normal and then side smash neutral smash you know up smash stuff like that so it's side b up b yeah it's it's, it's a lot more i think streamlined like once you pick up one character i think it's a lot faster in the smash series the the smash universe if you will to pick up another character and play it which i i enjoy a lot it makes it i play random mostly and a lot of my friends play random as well and i think that's just a fun way to play it so super fun um yeah no it's it, the the variety is incredible and and how well they've balanced and perfected the mechanics in ultimate is just impressive that from a business side 
the the fact that they were able to get the licensing together to bring back all of the characters that they've ever had in a Smash game is just kind of mind bending how they were able to do that. I, I, I mean, Nintendo and Super Smash are so big that it it's hard to imagine many game studios saying no to like I'm I'm sure the the amount of money they charge makes it difficult, but I it's hard to imagine a lot of game studios not wanting to have their characters especially on a different platform if you have something coming from sony or microsoft and getting on there that's just more advertisement for your game and your characters um so it's yeah that, that, that's incredible so there there's typically like a lot of people like to play multiplayer so you can do local split screen well i guess it's not split screen it all happens in one big screen which is also kind of crazy um, so there, sometimes the maps are large, so you have people like really small, like in the top left having a fight and there's some people down in the bottom right corner and they're all coming around and yeah, it, it's, it's kind of nuts, but there's also a single player campaign in ultimate called world of light. Um, the story, there's not much to it. Essentially the, the game starts and it's like, oh my gosh, this baddie, I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Galim. Um, I always just call him Galileo. Galileo. We'll call him Galileo. That's 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 his name. It's not right. He's not Galileo at all. Yeah. Very different things. But I always call him Galileo because I'm lazy. Um, but he essentially takes and traps all of the like turns them into a stone or something like that. all the characters. And you're you're going through. You start with um, just a few characters. It might even be I think the original Smash characters. And you're essentially trying to go through the game and uh, unlock and free all of the different fighters um which is a lot as you would imagine and in doing so there is a new mechanic called spirits um which essentially replaces collectible trophies from previous games um but spirits take it, it it's hard to ex well i guess it's not that hard to explain essentially you can assign spirits you have so many slots and different spirits depending on how good they are take up one two or three slots and they give you different passives and different um, invulnerabilities against different map hazards. But in order to beat them, there is typically a unique type of fight or match that you have to do. So there might be like, oh, the floor is lava. So you'll want to unlock some kind of spirit that gives you invulnerability to lava. So that when you fight that person, you're not taking constant damage from the lava floor. You can try and attack it without having that invulnerability. Um, but that that's hard to do. There's also like three different types. There's like green blue red and neutral which is four even though i said three <laughs> um and so neutral i think doesn't have any doesn't have like a counter yeah. yeah but green blue and red is like rock paper scissors one is stronger against one and then weak against the other and so the type of spirit that you do in vulnerabilities, there's a lot to it but you're essentially going through and you're just fighting all of these different spirits unlocking the different fighters um, and just working your way through the map. And there is a lot of matches, a lot of battles. Mm -hmm. I don't have the number on how many, but it is, it's a long campaign. More than one. Less than infinite. Yeah. Uh, unlike is... Bioshock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is Smash Bros. Ultimate, not infinite. Um, but yeah, absolutely incredible. So the, the president of Nintendo, Satoru Iwata, um, one of his last wishes, supposedly, um, was to make a Smash game and make it fantastic. So um, the director of this game, Sakurai, I believe? Sakurai. Um, 
he was like, okay, I now have to truly make this game the best it can possibly be, which is, I think, a large reason why it is as great as it is. They're like, okay, we're going to bring back everything that has ever existed, and we're going to put more into it. We're going to build it from the ground up. We're going to make it the best it can possibly be. Interesting note, originally, there, when you docked the Switch, and oh, I didn't mention this is on the Nintendo Switch, by the way. <laughs> um, it, it played differently when you docked it versus when it was in handheld mode, um, because Sakurai didn't realize how good handheld mode was and then he saw handheld mode was fantastic and he's like oh okay there's going to be no difference <laughs> um so that that was kind of interesting it essentially won a bunch of like the like it didn't win like game of the year but for 2018 it was like best nintendo game best switch game best fighting game um basically all of the the smaller like individual category awards um for the genre that it was. It is also now the best-selling fighting game of all time, um, selling just around 20 million copies, um, which is kind of crazy, especially since the game is only now it's approaching two years old. But that's that's a lot of the the cop cop copies. Um, <laughs> it got a 93 out of 100 on Metacritic, um, as well. Essentially, people saying, "Wow, the the amount of content, the level of polish." in the game is incredible how it plays the variety of combat the variety with the single player modes the multiplayer modes replayability phenomenal the the real criticism was with like online multiplayer Mm -hmm. um and some of the toxicity some of like just server like matchmaking and everything like that wasn't perfected at launch there's been a lot of improvement since then um but essentially just absolutely as this episode should be titled Bangerlicious. So now I have the difficult choice. I'm choosing the correct answer. Yeah, well, I guess let, let, let's... I want to know your thoughts on... I, I know you've, you spoke a little bit about kind of... But, like, what, what do you think of the game? Especially in, like, light of some of the other games. Like, Melee, I think, is oftentimes heralded as one of the best Smash games of all time. It's because it is. Um... I mean, I think, I think the ninety-three out of a hundred is appropriate. I don't know what melee got, but I definitely they they added. Always when whenever we talk about sequels, there's always bars that you have to meet, right? So you have to add X amount of content, polish up the gameplay X amount. These are arbitrarily, you know, it's just it's user it's experience, X. right? Yeah, it's it not is, arbitrary. It is. It's very exact. <laughs> We've defined it. Um, so yeah, polishing up the gameplay generally you want a graphical improvement with it as well introducing more content um in this case they introduced a a hecking lot of fighters i guess i didn't play smash for the wii u um i played a little bit for the wii but for the most part my jump was between melee to this and yeah being able to play with eight people simultaneously is (laughs) insane i mean that is a clown fiesta in itself that for me like being used to playing games on a console that that was huge in my opinion so i i don't know because they're almost it's almost far enough apart that i would say it's kind of apples and oranges like i like melee a lot for you know when i was playing it it was so unique and so new but i i I think smashed it a lot so i i i think it holds up incredibly well it's it's another phenomenal installment i don't know if i feel confidently enough to say 
which one's better than the other. I was still playing Melee up until I, like, left school. So, like, what, like, a year and a half ago? I mean, that game has also held up incredibly well. So, I, yeah, I, I think that they're just, it's, they're both two great installments. I don't, I, I might lean Melee just because of the youth and its, you know, and the Smash series and how much they did improvement. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's, that's, that's a hard one. I, I like both a lot. They, they both really have their place, and it's good to see the series still shining really well. You did a... I did. So what what I did... So this is an incredibly dif- difficult decision between these two games. Um, so I, I did a little cheating, and I looked at whoever wins this, what game will they go up against? <laughs> um, to, to maybe see if that would affect my decision. I don't... It didn't help, but it also... I saw what game it's going to go up against, and it's it's a toughie. Who's it going up against? The Last of Us. Oh! Yeah. Oh! But it, it doesn't it doesn't change anything. Like I I don't oh man. So a, a little bit of thought process. Bioshock Infinite. I am a a story game kind of guy. Like when the story bangs, Maxwell is about it, and the story definitely bangs. Um, but from like the the I am also a huge proponent of when you can enjoy games with others. That is gaming in its most pure and wonderful form. And I've played a lot of Smash Bros Ultimate. Um, with friends and it brings people together and that is incredible and that's kind of where i'm like i i i think i got my answer but say what you're gonna say well i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna say the opposite one i think you're gonna say smash but i think that smash for for people who don't play smash which is for gamers pretty few and far between brings out a dark side in people and it it causes a lot of strife for a lot of people, and that is something that has come to annoy me a lot about Smash, and it's a, kind of a big reason why I've started to become detracted from it, just because it is a competitive fighting game, and people get tilted so quickly and so hard, and they rage their faces off so violently, and it's like, first off, it's a game. I mean, easier said mental than done, but Jesus Christ, it's a game! <laughs> like... Yeah, so that that to me, for for my enjoyment, has become a significant detractor um, from playing the game. Even when I'm playing with people I barely played with, it's like you always get you either get people that are really good and just literally steamroll your face over and over and over again, and that's you know I mean that is frustrating. Like I'm not gonna say it's not, but th- then you get the people that like are like they think that they're way better than they are, and then they keep getting steamrolled, and then you just have to listen to them bitch the entire time that you're playing against them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Smash is definitely best served when you're relatively close in skill level, which I'd say, like, I'm pretty close to most of my friends, you know? Like, I'm not... I can at least hold my own. You know, I'm not not that great, but I can hold You are, for sure, without question, better than me, but the fights, at least for me, are interesting enough. Like, I know I will probably lose... But like at least if I if I'm on one of my mains, it 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 could go either way. I think it's still probably sixty forty. Yeah. But like I, I will win sometimes. 
which is exciting. But, but yeah, that's like I, I that's that's the level of play I like, you know, where it's like I'm winning because in in average, uh, <laughs> but like that it's close and it's still actually like fun. But yeah, it's just there's always just people that are just gonna whine while you're playing those types of games if they're bad or if they think that they're better than they are. And then there's always people that are gonna steamroll. And I really don't mind getting steamrolled. That part doesn't bug me. Yeah. But it's it's the other end that I find even more frustrating. Or when people are getting steamrolled and then they just blow their top because of it. It's just like. Well, just chill out. Jeez, like, if you're not having fun playing the game, let's play a different game. It's not that hard. Like, the game is supposed to be fun, so if it's not doing that, then let's stop. So, I, Smash has lost it for me a lot um, of its fun because of that. Maybe I'm just friends with angry people, which is distinctly possible, <laughs> but... Yeah, so that's... I mean, I... I it, it, between your two, from what I've heard, I'm leaning infinite right now. I... Also, on, on that, I, I enjoy getting steamrolled in Smash because I I get better when I play with people who are... I mean, that's just true of everything in life. Like, if you're not challenging yourself, you're not yeah. going to improve. Um, but it, it's specifically in Smash, I playing with you, I like dodging and rolling was a mechanic I essentially never used. I was such a noob. Um, and then after playing with you, I definitely... in definitely went through that initial learning curve and it, it yeah. upped my game quite a bit um which was exciting so 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 i like that i like learning from people better than me um same yeah i agree it does make you better a lot faster and yeah. that is why like if i'm playing with friends that are higher elo than i am in league i also enjoy that a lot more also in part just because the worse people are in league the more unpredictable they are and sometimes it is like you're so used to playing people at a higher skill level that you play against someone that's like so like new to the game that you just have no idea what's going on in their head you know like when you play <laughs> enough you start learning what like essentially the community's thinking and then it's like i'm going to shoot my skill shot this way and then they ran in the most unexpected what you would normally think is stupid but they're dodging all your stuff so i got i mean i got to give props what props are due like it is crazy <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely it is way more fun in league and in smash to be fighting with people who are like know what they're doing obviously if i'm playing against someone who's like edge guarding god and like I, because in Ultimate, that was for me, I did, like I said, I didn't play the U, Wii U and Wii versions very much. But to me, that was like the new mechanic that they introduced and were really harping on in that one. And edge guarding is insane. Watching pro play is nutter butters to the max. Like the amount of stuff that you are just doing while in the air. I, I can't do that stuff. The, the fact that like pro play happens off like the off the, on the corner yeah. of the map with nothing beneath them. And it'll go on for minutes like that. Yeah, it's nuts. No, it's crazy. So. Also, I'm a Pikachu main. Shout out to all those other Pikachu mains, baby. That's true. Um, shit. I guess I have to make a decision. Oh, I think I'm going to go Bioshock Infinite. My persuasion worked. I was initially thinking I was going to go Smash. Um, but you, you definitely made some good points. Thank um, you on there i think bioshock infinite versus last of us will be a more interesting matchup also i thought i thought that as, as well. well a story versus um, a story is way better than a story versus a beat em up <laughs> and uh oh, yeah but, oh, I don't know. but smash is yeah. good I say, yeah, it's, it's definitely not an octa smash and i mean if you haven't figured out from maxwell's intense deliberation in his head right now but yeah it's certainly not an octa smash and i still enjoy the game a lot but, yeah, there are definitely some darker sides to Smash. Really just most competitive environments like that. So I, I find those incredibly frustrating. I like people being happy. So it's, it is annoying when people just can't handle their cool. And yeah, just are like there, there's no toxicity in Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. And Bioshock's Infinite, Infinite's story 
is Bangalicious. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Top 50 Showdown slash Mo Video Games Podcast. As always, you can find us on our socials at Mo Video Games, which is really just ig but maybe we'll do more later and then you can also listen to us on spotify and podbeam at mo video games so yeah we hope that you're having a blast if you have anything that you want to tell us you guys never do so that's okay that's okay though no pressure but if you ever do just let us know we are here just reach out to us wherever whenever and we would love to talk with you so as always enjoy your week weekend day night whatever time it is for you and juicy